Welcome to the Teaching Behavior Together podcast, where I provide you with actionable steps for making your classroom management plan effective by incorporating behavioral and social-emotional learning activities into your daily teaching. Hi, I'm Maria, and I have 10 years experience in the field of behavior analysis. In each episode, I will be providing you with effective and evidence-based strategies you can use to create a classroom environment you want to go to each morning. No longer will you be driving home in tears over the overwhelming feeling of trying to manage student behaviors. So sit back, listen up, and start seeing success. Welcome to this episode of the Teaching Behavior Together podcast. I am so excited that you are back for another episode, or maybe this is your first episode here. Welcome to the Teaching Behavior Together team. We're so excited to have you here. We today are going to be talking about punishment. I don't have that much to say about punishment, so this episode is probably going to be a little bit shorter than other episodes. Last week, we talked all about reinforcement and how when we're utilizing reinforcement, we see increases in the desired behaviors that we do want to see. Punishment is exactly the opposite. When we're utilizing punishment as a procedure, we see a decrease in the behaviors that we don't want to see. Just like when we talked about for reinforcement, there are two types of reinforcement, positive and negative reinforcement. There are also two types of punishment, positive and negative punishment. Positive punishment is when we add something to a situation that decreases the future likelihood of that behavior. Negative punishment is when we take away something from a situation that decreases the future likelihood of that behavior. I want you to think about positive and negative as math concepts, adding and subtracting something from a situation. You're adding or subtracting a stimulus, technically is what it's called a stimulus, that will decrease the future likelihood of that behavior. So let's take some examples. An example of positive punishment, let's say you have a student who colored all over a desk. Now you make them take a paper towel or whatever and clean up that crayon on the desk. You added something to that situation that would decrease the likelihood that coloring on the desk would occur, right? So coloring on the desk was a behavior. The addition was having to clean up the crayon that was on the desk therefore decreasing the likelihood that coloring would occur on the desk in the future. Now with negative punishment, you're taking away something from the situation that decreases the future likelihood of that behavior. Say you have a student who throws a toy, so you take away the toy. The behavior is throwing the toy and the subtraction is that you took away the toy after the child threw the toy. Just like with reinforcement, these things only serve as punishers if they're actually decreasing the behavior. Now, this is where I see all of the problems arrive in the education setting, is that a lot of times we enact these consequences to serve as punishers to decrease a behavior, but they don't actually decrease the behavior. Think about the student who throws a tantrum in your classroom and you send them out to the principal's office. Are the tantrums still happening? If they're still happening, you're reinforcing that behavior. Why we think that the sending them out to the principal's office should serve as a punisher, right? No one wants to go to the principal's office and get in trouble. When in reality, if that behavior isn't decreasing, you're actually not punishing the behavior. I just want you to keep that in mind because it is something that I see day to day in schools where we enact these consequences that we want to serve to decrease behaviors that don't actually decrease the behaviors. And then we feel that they're not effective. 
when in reality, what we should be doing is taking data on our strategies and interventions that we're implementing to see what direction the behavior is going in. And if it's not going in the desired direction, make adjustments to those strategies and interventions so that we do see the progress that we want to see. So those are the basics of punishment. What I want to talk about now is how we should not be using punishment in an education setting. Really ever. We should rarely be using punishment in an education setting. And here's why. Punishment is not effective. Punishment might stop a behavior in that moment, but it's not going to be effective at long-term behavior change because with punishment, we're not teaching the child any new skills. Let's take the example again of you sending a student out of your classroom because they're throwing a tantrum to go to the principal's office. If the principal is not going to teach them a skill of how to engage in appropriate behavior, then it's not going to be effective. Right? And the principal does not have time for that. They don't have time to be teaching all of the kids skills about how to engage in appropriate behavior in the classrooms. So more than likely when they go to the principal's office, they're going to get told that that's not appropriate, maybe ask what choices that they can engage in in the future, and the student probably can rattle off a ton of choices. But the fact is, if they're not engaging in those behaviors, they either don't know how to do it or they do know how to do it, but it's just not that well developed in their repertoire so that they are doing it on a regular basis. What's way more effective than punishment is teaching kids new skills. So in our consequence episode, we talked about how to develop natural and logical consequences for students that allow us to teach those skills in our classrooms. That's what I want to talk about again in this episode. If there is a behavior in your classroom that you want to decrease, or maybe there's more than one, we really need to develop a plan for teaching skills to our students so that we can reinforce those skills so we see an increase in desired behaviors and therefore a subsequent decrease in undesired behaviors because they're not contacting that reinforcement for those behaviors. So if you've already listened to the reinforcement episode, you know that if a behavior is continuing to occur, it's being reinforced in some way. So what we need to do is replace that behavior with a more desired alternative behavior so that we can reinforce that behavior appropriately so that we see that more desired behavior in the future. This is a little bit easier said than done, but it is definitely the route we should be taking because again, if you're just going to take the punishment route, that might be effective in that split second, but it's not going to be effective over time at all because we're not teaching that student any replacement skills that allow that student to be more successful. All right, so let's talk about some steps that we can take to teaching students new skills. In the consequence episode, we talked about those logical consequences that would give the student the opportunity to learn a new skill, but we didn't really go in depth on how to teach a new skill. In order to teach a new skill, we want to first start out by providing the student with some instruction on that skill or just some basic information. So let's say that, again, we have a student who's throwing a tantrum in our classroom. We might want to provide them with some information on alternative behaviors that they could be engaging in and why we would like them to be engaging in those behaviors instead of the tantrum. This might sound like you telling the student, when you become upset, you have a couple of different choices. You can go to the calm down corner. You can ask for me to come over and help you. You can do some deep breathing, or you can engage in one of the other coping strategies that we've talked about in the classroom. We don't really want you to be engaging in tantrums anymore because it's disruptive to the classroom and they don't look like very much fun for you. So let's try and engage in one of those other strategies that you have in your toolbox. The next step we're going to take is modeling. We're going to model those other choices that the student has for them so they can see how to engage in those choices. We might also have a peer model those choices or we might point out in the classroom when other students are engaging in appropriate choices. 
it's probably going to take more than one time of modeling the behavior for the student. So you want to make sure that you plan time to model the behavior and also point out when the behavior is occurring in your classroom. And the goal for the model is that the student is able to see what that behavior looks like and how to engage in it. The next step is to allow for practice. So you want to start off with some guided practice where you are either working one-on-one -on -one with the student or maybe in a small group with the student where you're allowing them to practice those different skills or choices that they have if they do become upset. These might look different from student to student, but you want to make sure that the students do get ample time to practice the skills so that they are able to start building those different components of the skill into their repertoire. While they're practicing the skill, the last step of this teaching model is to provide them with feedback. So you want to make sure that you're giving them feedback on how they're engaging in the skill and if they need to make any adjustments or when they're doing the skill really, really well. The feedback portion is really important because you want to make sure that you're reinforcing the aspects of the skill that they're doing correctly and providing them with guidance on parts of the skill that they need to make adjustments to. And there you have it. Now you know how to teach these skills to the students in your classroom. This is a process that takes more than one time, so you'll probably have to meet with a student or a small group of students several times to build the skill. Think about all the skills that we learn over a lifetime, like tying your shoes and learning to talk and learning to drive. All of those things take a lot of practice. So we wanna make sure that we're carving out that time to practice these skills with the students so that they are able to build them into their repertoire and you are able to reinforce them in your classroom. The overall goal would be for you to be able to reinforce these new behaviors in your classroom so that you don't have to engage in a punishment procedure to decrease the behaviors that you don't want to see. By increasing these new skills and giving the child an opportunity to contact reinforcement in your classroom, you're automatically going to start seeing a decrease in those other behaviors because they don't need to engage in those behaviors to contact that reinforcement. They can now engage in more appropriate behaviors that allow them to contact the reinforcer. See why punishment shouldn't be used in education settings and instead we should be using reinforcement and teaching new skills in our classrooms. I hope I was able to help you understand how punishment is not effective and how reinforcement is really the better option so that our students can be successful. I've probably said that 500 times in this episode already, but that's really the main goal that we have for our kids. We want them to be learning so many things in our classrooms and with punishment, we're not teaching them anything at all. Reinforcement allows us to teach these new skills and for our students to maximize their success why they have those short 180 days with us. That's all I have for this episode for you guys. Remember, next week is our Q&A episode. So if you haven't submitted your question, go over to Instagram and follow me at Teaching Behavior Together and make sure that you send me a message with your question in it so that I can add it to the list of questions and answer in that episode. And then we are going to be headed into our behavioral and classroom management series where I take you through step-by-step -step different behavioral strategies that you can utilize in your classroom so that you see maximum success of your students as well as walk you through step-by-step -step how to develop a sound, well-rounded classroom management plan that will make your classroom run smooth Again, if you haven't already, go follow me over on Instagram so you see the daily content that I post over there with little tips and tricks for behavior and join my email list so that you get weekly emails and monthly freebies. You can do that by going over to my website, 
teachingbehaviortogether.com and signing up for my email list in that very top email bar. All you have to do is click submit and you'll get your first freebie, which is a calm down kit that you can print out and utilize in your classroom. And then you'll also get weekly emails from me with the new updates and anything you might need, as well as tips and strategies. If you enjoyed this episode, please leave a review or maybe just a rating that would really help me out and make sure that other teachers can find this podcast so they can take part in all of these strategies we're talking about and subscribe so you don't miss out on when an episode is released. Have a great day.